Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Second Kings chapter eight. With God, every coincidence is really a divine appointment. Do you believe in luck or coincidences? I don't, at least not anymore since I became born again. With God, there are no coincidences. I can look back at my life and see God's hand guiding me from one stage to another, even while I was a lost prodigal. As we read through the Old Testament, we see the hand of God and his grace, mercy, and blessings for those who obey his simple rules. As he laid out the law through Moses, he clearly states that if you obey, you'll be blessed. But if you disobey, you'll be cursed. In today's stories, we see an example of both of these. Remember the Shunammite woman whose son, Elijah, Elisha, raised from the dead a couple of chapters ago. She had welcomed Elisha many times to her home and even built him a guest room on the roof. Well, Elisha had warned her and her husband to flee the land because there was a famine coming. Now the famine was over and she came back. But could she get her land back? Let's dig in. Um, Second Kings 8. Elisha had told the woman whose son he had brought back to life, take your family and move to some other place, for the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha, Eli, yeah, Elisha had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king, Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now, and this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. 
is this true? The king asked her, and she told him the story. And he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. What a coincidence. Nope, not with God. This was a divine appointment. Because she was good to God's prophet Elisha, God was good to her. She didn't ask God about her land. She went to the king, who just so happened to be listening to Gehazi, Elisha's servant, tell her story. What do we learn here? One, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yep, the golden rule. And guess who came up with that one? Jesus. When a person tells you to do something, and she knew Elisha was God's prophet, do it. Had she stayed, she, her husband and son may have died in the famine. She obeyed and was saved. With God, there are no such things as coincidences. Unfortunately, the next stories are not so pleasant. They fall onto the other spectrum, disobedience. Continuing. Verse seven, Elisha went to Damascus, the capital of Aram or Syria, where King Ben-Hadad lay sick. When someone told the king that the man of God had come, the king said to, uh, to Hazael, take a gift to the man of God, then tell him to ask the Lord, will I recover from this illness? So Hazael loaded down 40 camels with the finest products of Damascus as a gift for Elisha. He went to him and said, your servant Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, has sent me to ask, will I recover from this illness? And Elisha replied, go and tell him, you will surely recover. But actually, the Lord has shown me that he will surely die. Elisha stared at Hazael with a fixed gaze until Hazael became uneasy. Then the man of God started weeping. What's the matter, my Lord? Hazael asked him. Elisha replied, I know the terrible things you will do to the people of Israel. You will burn their fortified cities, kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. Hazael responded, how could a nobody like me ever accomplish such great things? Elisha answered, the Lord has shown me that you are going to be the king of Aram. <coughs> Oh, excuse me. When Hazael left Elisha and went back, the king asked him, what did Elisha tell you? And Hazael replied, he told me that you will surely recover. But the next day, Hazael took a blanket, soaked it in water, and held it over the king's face until he died. Then Hazael became the next king of Aram, Syria. Oh, back to Judah. Verse 16, Jehoram, son of King Jehoshaphat of Judah, began to rule over Judah in the fifth year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. Now, these names sound familiar. Yes. And actually, they're interchangeable. They're only a couple of letters. So, so at the bottom of my blog, I embedded that chart of all the kings so you can tell which one is which here. So Jehoram was 32 years old. This is the king of Judah. Uh, when he became king and reigned in Jerusalem eight years. But Jehoram followed the example of the kings of Israel 
and was as wicked as King Ahab. Remember, Ahab was married to Jezebel, for he had married one of Ahab's daughters. So Jehoram did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but the Lord did not want to destroy Judah, for he had promised his servant David that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp forever. I'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 20. During Jehoram's reign, the Edomites revolted against Judah and crowned their own king. So Jehoram went with all his chariots to attack the town of Zair. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders, but he went out at night and attacked them under cover of darkness. But Jehoram's army deserted him and fled to their homes. So Edom has been independent from Judah to this day. The town of Libna also revolted about that same time. The rest of the events in Jehoram's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Jehoram died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Ahaziah, 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 yes, another Ahaziah. There was an Ahaziah up in Israel. Ah, oh, these names. Um, Ahaziah became the next king. So, verse 25, Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, began to rule over Judah in the 12th year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem one year. His mother was Athaliah, a granddaughter of King Omri of Israel. Ahaziah followed the evil example of King Ahab's family. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Ahab's family had done, for he was related by marriage to the family of Ahab. Ahaziah joined Joram, son of Ahab, in his war against King Hazael of Aram at Ramoth Gilead. When the Arameans wounded King Joram in the battle, he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds he had received at Ramoth. Because Joram was wounded, King Ahaziah of Judah went to Jezreel to visit him. And that's the end of eight for now. Okay, so the legacy of evil King Ahab continues. Similar to what Solomon did by marrying pagan women from other nations, these kings married from Ahab's family. The northern kingdom doesn't change and the southern kingdom of Judah, who was teetering on the brink, falls into full paganism again. They turn to the worthless idols and fake gods of the pagans. The northern kingdom starts to infect the southern kingdom. Idolatry is a disease as ugly and as contagious as leprosy. Cancer isn't really contagious. Contagious. Um, one of the, uh, Bible studies that I listen to when I prepare for these, um, is, uh, by Sandy Adams, who is a pastor out of Georgia. And he had an interesting quote, marry an unbeliever and you get the devil as your father-in-law. I go, hmm. It's interesting that Hazael claims that he could never accomplish such great things like killing people. 
You cannot underestimate the evil that you are capable of doing outside the grace of God. Interestingly enough, in verse 19, we see that God did not want to destroy Judah, for he had promised his servant David that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp forever. That lamp is Jesus, the light of the world. I don't know if many of you are aware of the volcano eruption in La Palma. Well, I've been monitoring it because um, my ancestors come from Spain and uh, I lived in an island, Puerto Rico, for many years. So I know what island living is like. Um, but I've been monitoring the Cumbre Vieja volcano eruption. The volcano has been spewing lava and ash for over a month now. La Palma is one of the Canary Islands off the coast of Africa, but they belong to Spain and they are mostly Roman Catholic. Lava from the volcano has consumed over 2,000 buildings, both homes and businesses, and covered the bulk of the island in drifts of ash. Okay, so if, the, if it's not the lava that's consumed it, it, your businesses and homes are buried under this, what looks like gray snow. You can click on over to my blog, uh, and I've embedded some tweets uh, with videos in there, so you can actually see what this looks like. Um, uh, it, um, it has displaced 7,000 people, though no major injuries or fatalities. Since the lava moves so slow, communities are able to evacuate in time. However, there is no stopping the lava streams rivers, um, sometimes even tsunamis of lava. Um, and um, there's, there's like one of the tweets that I embedded is a map of the area of the destruction of the, of the Cuba Vieja volcano. Um, and then there's another one showing the gray drifts um, and how homes are literally buried in, in, with this gray uh, ash. Um, paganism is alive and well in the catholic religion and so i'm following you know a hashtag like la palma volcano on instagram and i saw something that really saddened me it's a pic and i have the picture in over in my blog you can check it out um it's a picture of la virgen de la nieve or the virgin of the snow the people of La Palma were planning a procession to honor her and pray to her to stop the volcanic eruption and destruction of their island. And it's, it's a beautiful picture. It's like it's like a, a doll dressed up in in gold embroidered material, and and, and she's got this gold uh, starburst around her, you know, surrounded by stars and everything. And and um, you know, they said that you know this this statue was gonna they were gonna process with it. Um, and then as I was I was looking for the the, the videos on Twitter for the for the uh, you know of the lava and stuff. I found a tweet of an actual procession with a different virgen, a, a different virgin, la virgen del pino or the virgin of the pine. Okay, that alone. <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, it's like um, you know. You have Malibu Barbie and you have, um, <laughs> you know, that's all it is. They're 
dolls and people named different things. Um, and all that is, is idolatry and paganism. You know, it's, I, I, you know, I can't believe that this is still happening in the 21st century. Um, and it's just, um, it just, it breaks my heart. Um, and then there's another um, tweet that I embedded. There's a bistro in the town of Todoque, which is totally gone now. The, the town is gone, but the video is of this wall of molten lava rock knocking this two-story building down. It was a restaurant. And basically, this is how this lava is destroying these villages. And ironically, there's one of the villages is called El Paraíso, which means the paradise. It's gone. It's totally gone. Um, uh, you know, so when you go back to the fact that God hates idolatry, and I wish, you know, these these Catholic, Roman Catholic uh, devoted, you know, people you know would only understand that all of this is idolatry and paganism that god detests is the destruction of their island the wrath of god i don't know bad luck i don't know who built i mean you know you look at the you look at the island you look at you know, like um um google you know when you look at google earth you see what the island looked like before all this, um, the volcano hadn't erupted since 1971. So it takes some a long time for the lava to cool down enough so that you could build on it or plant on it. The soil becomes extremely, extremely fertile. So this island is covered with banana plantations and avocado plantations. You know, so, and a lot of them are just gone because his lava is just eating it up again. So who builds your house on a volcano? And just that thought, just saying like, um, risky? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, so I do know we are living in the end times and these are just the birth pains and they will get stronger and more frequent until God decides that it's time to rapture his true believers and get the church out of here. And be certain that any Catholic who does not accept Jesus as their savior and turn from their idolatry will be left behind. And you don't know what that's going to be like. I did a series of um, little fictional vignettes of what it may be like. You could take a look there um, in, in my blog. I just hope and pray that those left behind will quickly figure out what happened and turn to Jesus right away. The great tribulation won't be pretty. It'll be the worst of the worst. They're going to need Jesus. Well, it's your choice and there's no time to beat around the bush. And Jesus told us, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's in Revelation 3.20. And Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. What are you waiting for? Let him in. Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also at the bottom of my blog, like I said, I have this infographic 
with a chart of the kings of Israel and Judah. I mean, I had to look at this because I know I need to, to bring in um, the minor prophets at some point that I'm trying to get. And and the thing is, is there's no exact dating. Some things can be, you know, dated exactly here. Um, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm studying from different sources and I'm like, well, no, 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 you know, can this one brings in um, uh, Obadiah too soon. And then I, I read, I heard somebody else and say, oh no, Obadiah um, was, you know, came in after this. And so, and I'm like, well, then that's too soon, you know, so I just have to hold back with Obadiah. So uh, Joel is going to be our next one. And then Jonah, Amos, and Hosea. And then we're going to go back to a little bit of, of Second Kings, and then we will hit the book of Isaiah. And that's that one is a long one, but it is so full of good, good, good meat, good godly meat. So we'll get into it. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that one. So um, um, in any rate, soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.